She really feeling my tire. Hot nigga, I'm on fire. Hot nigga, I'm on fire. Stop, stop, drop, drop, roll, 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 stop, stop. What's your name? Make your name known for the next year. Better rap, yeah. All right, so back at it again for another one. This is Connecticut's most controversial podcast. This is the Domino Effect. And I go by the name of Domino. And as usual, I am not without a guest. Now, this is the hardest working director I know in Connecticut. I don't know how many videos this motherfucker does a month. Every time I see him, he moving, he posting something. He's somewhere out the country doing something. So uh, in the building right now, we got music and movie director. We got Edwin Escobar, a.k.a. Esco in the building. What's going yes, on with you, sir. man? Appreciate you having me, man. Appreciate you being here. What's going on, man? Working. Staying busy. Staying busy, man. I hear that shit. I know that's the generic answer these That's days. a generic, you know, rapper answer. We working type Staying shit. Staying busy. Yeah. We working. <laughs> we working. <laughs> All right. So, uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever the fuck you get your podcast, we are there. Domino Effect Podcast at gmail.com. For any comments, questions, or concerns, if you want your question answered in the what segment, you can reach me there. That's Domino Effect Podcast at gmail.com. So... Since I don't have no topics, I don't have no questions, I ain't really go over, you know, a lot of shit. So we just gonna get right into your business, right? Let's do it. So, um, let's start from the beginning, right? So, Esco, where you from, man? Where was I born or where do I live? Where were you born? I was born in Colombia. Born in Colombia, and you came over here at what age? I was eleven. Eleven. All right. So how was it living in in, in Colombia the first eleven years? Um, it was normal at that point, you it know. Was- I was alive. You now, know. now, what's normal living in Colombia? Um, because you know, you know I there was never lack of love. Family was what it was at that moment. Mm. Um, it it wasn't bad. I mean, I didn't have a, a perception of where I was. Mm. I don't know about the world. I just know we were in Colombia. Mm. Um, so it it was it wasn't bad. There's no complaints mm. at all. But it was definitely a lot different. Um, and I think it's, it is a big part of who I am today, though. Okay. Now, you came over here when you was 11. Now, what was the culture shock like when you came over here for the first time? It was a little different. I mean, uh, so when I was in Colombia, I used to watch a lot of Full House in Spanish, translated. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I thought all of U.S. was that San Francisco. Which is white people, <laughs> big houses and shit? Yes. <laughs> so, you know, regular stuff. Um, but coming here, it was definitely, you know, I came to Bridgeport, no regrets. Mm. You know, it did mold me too. That's another big part of who I am too. Right. But it, it was definitely, um, it was a huge culture shock. I think, I don't know what the biggest thing was, but there was just small things like living in buildings. Mm. Uh, I remember my grandmother used to call them uh, bunny cages. Bunny cages. Yeah. Okay. If you're in Colombia and you live in a building, you have money. There's no, there, you don't associate projects or poverty with buildings. If you live mm. in a building, you can afford to live in a building. Right. So it's high rises with like, you know, security and stuff. So like living in a building didn't really, we didn't associate that with poverty till we came here. So that was one of the biggest things that my grandmother was like, oh, we're going to live in the building. Mm. Wait, <laughs> there's garbage everywhere. What's Wait, going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah, So that, that was like one of the biggest things I remember. But overall, I mean, you know, I, I, some of my greatest friendships and some of the biggest things I learned were because, I, you know, I didn't come to a Trumbull or a Monroe or, mm. you know, so, you know, it, it paid off. But it was a lot of like, whoa, wake up, you know, Things are not what they seem to be moments. Right. Even at that age. Mm. Yeah. So now, were you speaking English in Colombia? Nah. No. It's okay, so you came over here and you had to learn English. I had to learn English, yes. So how do you learn English? Um, well, I went to I went to John Winthrop, mm. right? So I came here uh, midway to sixth grade. Okay. And they had ESL, if that's the right term. Mm. And it was basic, you know... I mean, we had classes in Colombia, but they were like, you know, dog, cat, okay. Be yeah, passed. yeah, normal shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was no association. Um, but I, after middle school, I get thrown. I got thrown into Central okay. High School, mm. which there was no ESL. And then I picked up more of like actual language and, and mm. all that. I mean, middle school, I learned it. I, I learned a lot. I, I knew how to communicate. But it was uh, have to, a little bit of the basic stuff to school, but then just be walking outside of my circle too mm. like uh, a lot of my great friends and people that I met were uh, you know f- you know Peruvian my best friend's Peruvian mm. uh, everybody in my class was either Puerto Rican Dominican Peruvian Mexican mm. but I did 
go out of my way to make friends with people all around. You know, especially I lived in Fairfield Gardens, so everybody mm. around there, you know, they weren't really Spanish. Okay, yeah. Haitians, you know, all kinds of different people. Uh, mm. Some cool white people too, you know. Did you find yourself getting into any trouble when you came to America? Like, mm. like outside, did, did they pick on you because you couldn't speak English? You weren't like everyone else? Nah, most of the people that were around didn't speak English either. So mm. it was more like uh, we were a bubble. So, I mean, yeah. Mm. It was always the jokes and uh, just how we dress mostly was the biggest thing. Mm. Most of the people like I went to school with, you know, no one, most people don't come here because they have it back home. Mm -hmm. It's always a immigration because you want more and right. dressing funny, the cheapest, especially if you're in middle school, your mom really buys the clothes mm -hmm. unless you're hustling or something. But, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. mom was like, you going to a car doors mm. yeah. <laughs> and we buying that. Going to yeah. Marshall's or some shit. Yeah. And this was the baggy era. So like she would buy me, well, actually, you know, this same fit, but it wasn't cool back then. Mm, yeah. So it was, it was, it was funny that I think style and clothing was one of the biggest things that people had a send to poke fun at. Mm. Yeah. All right. So now you get to Central High School. Now I remember you, that I was in a bunch of classes with you, and you was the nigga that was always asleep. Right? <laughs> you know, I got a whole 40-hour job at, by ninth grade. <laughs> so so in ninth grade, you working, but you still come to school. How are you doing that? Well, I came to school just so I, sh I would show up for um, a homeroom mm. so they wouldn't call my mom. The truancy office and all that shit? Yeah. yeah. Because then you can skip. I got like 200-some you know, cuts. Mm. But if you didn't go to school at all, obviously there'd be like a lot of phone calls and stress my mom out and all yeah. that fun stuff. So I, I would literally wake up. I remember, if I'm not mistaken, there was you go in this class and then there's homeroom and then mm. the rest of the day, right? Right. So, I mean, you know, the days that I didn't work, I would go to all four lunch waves, even though they told us you couldn't. <laughs> right. That was a lie. I swiped that card four yeah. times a day. Niggas didn't listen to that <laughs> shit. No have listen to that shit. <laughs> yeah. So, but days that I worked, I mean, I, I remember just falling asleep because it was just, you know, I would just run to the bus, go to, and I used to work in Westport too. So, you know, be there to 10 o'clock, go home, go home tired. But then when you get home, you got all this energy left mm. and then boom, next day, you know, you got to be in central by what? What was it? 7.50? Yeah, something class? like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, school just wasn't really for me. And because I was bilingual, I got put in some of the not best classes in central. Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand why there was no real guidance. Mm. So I was like, oh, this is high school. They don't really care. And I guess I'm not good at it. And I'm in, I'm, I was in the classes with people that didn't care and teachers that didn't care. Mm. So it just was this, there was no incentive. There was, there was no incentive. And I already had a job. So when you bring in home a check you know, equivalent to what your mom's making, mm. she can't, it's hard for her to argue with you about mm -hmm. staying in school. When we, I'm, I'm like, let's go half on rent, let's go half on this. Mm. So that, I mean, that's not good, but it's just, you know, I wasn't just sitting around getting in trouble. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I didn't prioritize school. I mean, anybody listening out there, it's not a good now, thing. Well, nowadays you don't really need school yeah. as much as you think you do because it's only going to put you in debt. You know, a lot of people I know that are in the careers that they're in, they ain't go to school. They yeah. didn't, you know, they, they, they went to a few classes, they didn't finish. Right. And it's it's been like that for a while. I mean, people get pushed into a corner and do their best. But um, if you can, if I can say anything about school or making it all the way to college from people I've known that went through it, I mean, you do create some good relationships and then you apply yourself and do the things you would do anyway. Mm. That's the, if I were, went to school and was able to pursue my passion at the same time, I think I would have probably been there a little further, mm. to be honest. Now, what did you do in Westport? I worked at Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> 40 hours a week, full time, and they, and, yeah. they, and they let you at 15 years old. Well, I, so I was 15, mm. and they used to keep me in the back mm. because, well, I was, for one, full disclosure, I wasn't even legal anyway. Okay. So it, that didn't even matter. So it doesn't matter whether I was 16 yet or not. All right. So I worked <laughs> in the back a lot, but I was the only one there. It was, I think it was me this older guy and the other crew of like 15 women. Mm. So it was a funny environment. Right, right. But I was the only one that spoke English to a level that I could communicate with clients and mm. customers and clients. Only customers. It's customers. No clients <laughs> and so that they could feel like they're home. They used to be like, let me get a medium light and sweet and then you, you're on your way. Mm. When they, they when I used to interact with customers, it would be more like, hey, how's your day? Oh, how's your daughter? So that created a little more, like they were happier to, you know, they were like a little happier to come in and mm. you know i'm not saying that made a big difference because they made a lot of money without me yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was they let me in the front because i was able to solve a lot of problems too mm. like miscommunications 
because you know people you know in, in a fat food business people used to uh miscommunicate a lot mm. so you know little misunderstandings i was able to like oh no no that's what she meant this oh hi laugh it off and that will you know you know that will stop uh, a customer from writing the owner or yeah, yeah. The manager or whatever mm. so it helped out so they started letting me in the front and I, as soon as i turned 16 i was able to come to the front and work and i lasted there for like until i was 19. okay all right so it's safe to say you didn't graduate Nope, no. not not even night school. You ain't trying to go back for your degree, no. No, I. You know what? I I don't even remember the Liberty High School, which was on that plaza where uh, where uh, um, what is it? Heaven Pizza is, mm. uh, where the Colombian restaurant is. Uh, no. But they, I paid two grand to get my GED, and mm. then like two weeks shy of my last test, they just disappeared. So fuck I you, gave up. Fuck you mean they disappeared? A school yeah, disappeared? Yeah, it was a G, it was like a like a GED program, and yeah. they just bounced. And then I was like, I com that completely, because I spent money mm. to get my GED just to make my mom happy and just to, because, you know, back then it was like, yeah. if you don't got a GED, everybody's going to look at you like garbage and you're going to be a garbage man. Little did I, you wouldn't even know how much garbage man make anyway. Yeah, exactly. But um, it was just, yeah, they took my money. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> I didn't get a GED. So now you stopped working there at 19. So what do you do after you stopped working at Dunkin' Donuts? Uh, I, I left that and then uh, my one of my, my aunt's husband or ex-husband opened a little store in Madison, like like next to that the new the little convenience store, mm. right next to what used to be making moves. I don't know if yeah, anybody yeah, yeah, remembers yeah. Mm -hmm. making moves. I mean, most of us should. Um, but he hired me for a little bit. It was working for family, so it was a little funny. Mm. But I quit to do that, and it was more boring. It didn't last for too long. But at that point, I was already running a studio from home. Mm. So it was a little bit of, you know, $100, $200 every other week if mm. I could. So it wasn't too bad. It was almost like that was my part-time in a way. Okay, so you was making beats or you was an engineer or? I I, I started making beats. Okay. Started making beats on the uh, MTV Generator way back, like in 2003, That thing on PlayStation? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that yeah. shit, yeah. So I, I started that and re the recording part of it was more exciting for me than mm. making beats. So I, I learned, I tried to pick up. I used to be in the closet. Uh, my boy Blue remembers those days. <laughs> I actually took a bunch of Dunkin' Donuts uh, cup holders. cartons and put. And because and, I was like, okay, so I guess we got to dead the room. I yeah. figured it out one way or another. Mm. It didn't do a lot, but it did more than, it was a flat room. So it definitely did something. Mm. But it was like a regular mic from Radio Shack mm. and a DJ mixer and a CD recorder. Mm. It was a, I don't know how I did it, but it was a yeah, lot of Yeah, I was going to ask you, how the fuck do you figure out how to put together a studio and you worked at Dunkin' Donuts and didn't go to school and stuff like that? Like, how do you... I, I mean, I didn't have, I don't even think I have an internet to like 2004, it's like actual service at the house. Mm. But I don't know. I, I, I'm i not going to say a bunch of reading, but there, I think there used to be a lot of like, um, while I was in Central in some of those classes, mm. uh, there was a couple of people that were DJs or aspiring DJs and they will have these uh, magazines where you could order equipment. Right. So like you just look at stuff and put it together and be like, okay, I guess this goes like this and this goes like that. You're just plugging shit in yeah. the, until it works. Right. And then yeah. somebody was like, you got to use a computer if you really want to record track for track. Like mm. that's how things get done. Okay. So it's just a lot of trial and error. Mm. Yeah. Some of it might be unnecessary, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how long does that last? The studio and you engineering um, and producing? In one house, we moved to a different house and I actually invested in the actual foam and I had, because it was my... uh my aunt's husband's property. Mm. So I had him put a window in the room to look more professional mm. and have that studio feel. Actually bought a mic. Uh, I, I think it wasn't a Newman. It was a, a Rode N N19. Okay. And that gate, that was still one of the best mics to this day. Right. Like, I will compare that to a, to a Neyman. A Newman? Neyman? I don't even know the right Yeah, Rode mics are the best mics. Yeah. But there were, so... I got. I think I got on my mixing game that it was competitive mm. with the people that were already been put time in and all that. So somehow, it just worked. I just knew. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but I just knew what I wanted to hear. Mm. So that worked for. Let me see. Two thousand five. I moved to two thousand five, and by two thousand eight, I. It was, studio life was over. It was done for you. Yeah. And that's when you did what? Did you pick up a camera next? Or like what was I always the next had step a, for you? I always had a camera around. Mm. I just never really took it serious. Mm. And technology-wise, I couldn't have afforded to become a business at all. Mm. Because what, what you need to have real dope visuals, mm. it was just you had to spend the money to get it. Right. 
Yeah, I don't think the companies were thinking about consumer level. You know, like when the DSLRs came out, mm. that had 24 frames per second. It had really dope latitude. It wasn't the uh, non-progressive scan. Like it was just what you needed to have a professional, mm. um, you know, result. Mm. But I always had a camera around, but I think I stopped doing studio. I just got back to to work. I, I started working at this factory around 2000, had to be like 2006 mm. in between. But by 2008, when I gave up the studio, um, I just completely dedicated myself to just work. I left all that stuff alone. Um, and I did buy another camera. I tried to do weddings. didn't work out. Uh, but then I think, I don't know how, I think I started just getting, because I had a studio at the end of the day. Right, right. It, the setup was there. Mm. So I started like kind of like letting close friends come by, record, and then attract other clients, people different people that I wanted to work with but less, less often. Mm. And then it became like, oh, you got a camera. Started experimenting with shooting, editing, and then it was, I got results. Mm. And people liked it, and I didn't really see anything out there that was, you know, like, oh, like I can't do it like this. Yeah, Like, oh, that, I seen work. There's a lot of people that did a lot of dope work before that too, mm. but it wasn't 100 people. It was like two or three people in the city. Mm. So it just, be, it just, it worked. And I think when I put a price on it, it was, I don't know how to price it, but whatever price I gave it, it was mm. way lower than what people were asking for. Okay. For even less good work, I guess. Mm. Yeah, I get you. Okay. So you pick up the camera, you're testing it out on things, you're charging whatever you want. Now, how do you, I guess, turn that into a business? I want to say, like, like, do are you working less? Or are you starting to shoot more? Like, what's, what's the, are, um, are you, are you shooting the, on, like, the weekends or? The the yeah the shooting was more like I want to be dope at this and I want to be recognized for it and I wanted to be like my art form. Mm. Um, I learned a lot from the uh, studio business side, which mm. I lacked a lot of the business side. I didn't really know how to deal with people. Mm. To the not for longevity, like I knew how to do my job, but then working with people and scheduling and certain things just didn't turn out because I just wasn't experienced in business on that end. Mm. So I wasn't looking to be a business. I, I mean, sweet sixteens and all that stuff and weddings. That was to me. That was as much as I was gonna ever gonna do mm. without going to school. Right. So um, the fact that I did a couple music videos that worked for a couple local artists, and they were like, "Oh, you should definitely do this." And then I got more inquiries. Mm. Then I was like, "I can't make the same mistake I did with the studio. I gotta get in my business." Like, mm. You know, I've I already have met people that did. You know, that run their own businesses. My aunt and my uncle try to run their own business. Mm. I know where they failed. Um, so I try to really keep up with the business side before, so that we don't have to worry too much about the creative end. Mm. So by the time the creative end came, we were just artists working. Mm. So, and that's a formula that I still apply to my business. Okay. So, um, yeah, I just, I, I kind of just focus on making sure that scheduling, timing, and setting rules and being happy about what I was getting paid. And just setting rules and terms so people knew what we we're doing. Mm. So it wasn't this open-ended, yeah, let's do a video and that's it. Because then that's how misunderstandings and, and just miscommunication comes along. Right. You have to have terms. Okay, we have this much time. We got this. We got that. Mm. That sets the tone and it conditions people to know what they're in for. Mm. And it helps people also educate themselves on timing, business. And right. it's just a chain reaction of like how do, how do we operate efficiently. Okay, now who was the first artist that gave you a chance? The, the first paying artist? Um, the first person that actually paid me was, if I'm not mistaken, it was Pressure. Yeah, I remember Pressure, yeah. Big, yeah. Yeah, big dude, yeah, yeah. Right, so he he was being managed by the same people that managed TC. Mm -hmm. uh, but they paid. Okay, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it was like I, I was already ready to deal with them because they were very business, they were older guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had, they were a tough sale, mm. but because I already had a, I wasn't, for, I wasn't expected to become a business. Mm. I don't know if it was accidental or just my own buildup, but I, it was just like, take it or leave it. I don't need you. Mm. Attitude that got them to like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> who else is going to do it? Right, Cause they right. got quotes from other people and it was like three grand. Yeah. Yeah. Which at that moment for what they were getting, it wasn't worth it for them. Right. And they already had spent a lot of money. I don't know how much you know about that whole TC, nah, the whole, they got yeah. signed to a thing mm. and they spent money on marketing and traveling and stuff, but 
they came to me at the point where they were out of money or done spending money mm. without so it's like double we, checking. So so we need someone to low. So let's let's go to yeah. But go. I delivered and it worked out. Mm. Um, and I think it, you know I gotta give him credit. I think uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Greg Black. Yeah yeah yeah. But at that time he kind of brokered it because I was like I'm not gonna talk to these guys. They're trying to get me to do it for free. And yeah I, I can't. Mm. And he kind of helped a little bit with the say you guys are gonna pay. Or you're not, but he's not. You know, this isn't a. You're not not in a position to negotiate. Mm. You're either gonna get this kind of work or not. Okay. And that did kind of help a little bit with them, just saying, okay, here's a check for this, and let's. What, what are the dates that we're gonna work? And um, that helped me shape just scheduling too. Like mm. it was like we gotta do this on this day. We gotta be there on time. There's traffic to think about. That was it. Was mostly out of paranoia of me getting paid and not being able to deliver. Mm. So I really wanted to make sure everything was on point. Now, for you learning this all on your own and where you are now, do you advise the person that's coming up in the director game to go to school, or do you, or is it like a trial by fire thing that you suggest? It depends. I mean, if you if you're not gonna get in crazy debt, if you have it, if your parents got it like that, and you can always be home and not have to really work, and mm. you can go to school. School's good for again. It's relationships and. Being able to, you know, meet people that are in the business. Professors are not people that, professors are usually, you know, professors. They're, yeah. They're, they've been they've been there, they've done that. Yeah, they did for a you, job. And if you have talent, mm. as, as much as you think you are, talented, you're going to get ahead. So if you if you don't go to school and you're talented, you're definitely going to get ahead. Mm. If you go to school and you're talented, that professor is going to see that in you and move you along. Mm. But there's nothing, nothing wrong with school. I think it helps with a lot of like the corporate end of things too just the the, the book I mean, yeah like learn how to talk to people and right and the, the schedule rules are made to be broken but at the same time you know you it's, it's, there's nothing wrong there's always an advantage on knowing the the structure of the what's expected mm. in that world you know some of us got to figure it out like you said trial by error or whatever yeah trial by yeah because yeah, yeah. the shit that took you maybe like a year to learn might have took them like three or six months to learn yeah, yeah, or the other way. Yeah, yeah. You know, it might take me 10 years to be here now, mm. and then somebody might go to school and figure it out, like, oh, you know what? I'm going to quit school. It mm. cost me 20 grand to get here, and I owe it, but now I know what I really need to do. And that person might even go further faster. So, I mean, time, and I mean, again, you do got to put your 10,000 10, hours in mm -hmm. at the end of the day, but, you know, there are people that do move ahead that just built like that. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to tell. Depends on who you are. Right. Now, at what point do you stop working a nine to five and just go solely with directing and, you know? Um, 2009, I used to work at J.J. Box. Shout out to J.J. Box. They didn't do me wrong. They were cool. So, <laughs> I met a lot of cool people. It was either illegals mm. <laughs> or ex-convicts. <laughs> so it was a go It was a dope community. A lot of honest people. <laughs> right. That were straightforward. But it was a boxing up. Um, it was a, a crating company, a mm. warehouse. Uh, but it just, I didn't make enough. And I think I had it, it was a winter where my car, um, I, I wasn't even able to afford to fix my tire rods. Mm. And they snapped and I got into an accident. Mm. So I didn't have a car anymore. And I rode my bike. It was by Marina. Okay. So, and I was living by Testos. Oh, I used shit. to ride my bike there and come back. I didn't get a thank you. I didn't yeah. get a, not, I mean, that's entitlement a little bit, but mm. like, I appreciate you coming here. Yeah, your yeah. Bicycle. On, your, on your bike and shit, been, yeah. I would have stayed there a little longer. I don't know. But um, it was that it was a winter. The next winter, I, without a car, I was like, I, I can't come to work. It's snowing, and I just fixed my car. No, I just have fixed my car. Mm. Say, but I'm not risking it because, you know, you you basically this job cost me my car. Mm. So uh, they were like, well, don't come in, and I just didn't, and that was it. And that was it. You just yeah. said, fucking threw caution yeah. to the wind. So and I think I was about to sell my my camera too because I just had a couple bad experiences with weddings and stuff. Mm. And I was just in a bad place anyway. And I had a it. whole legal situation too, which was like depressing to be at my age. You know, I was, mm. um, I was like 20, 20, 21 without, you know, a green card and, and without the ability to function like a, like a person. Mm. And I had all this like experience with artists and business and all these ambitions. And I was already exposed to all these people with money and, and cash flows and, I just couldn't even get a green card. So that was a, a mm. weird time. So I just quit all that. Mm. Um, and I just stopped going. You just stopped going. Without a plan. Without a Okay, so you quit your job, cold turkey, and you have a camera, you have a bicycle. I had a camera that was cool, mm. but I, I still sold it. 
You still sold it, okay. I still sold it because then I, I, I got put onto the DSLRs. Okay. Because I was like, this wedding stuff is not cutting it. I want to do videos. But then again, the, what I'm looking for on the camera is like $10,000. Mm. And then somebody put me onto, uh, it was uh, Beethoven's partner from Florida. Beethoven was a promoter out here. Yeah, I remember him, yeah. Um, he had a partner in Florida. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he was like, yo, there's this new camera. And I'm like, that's a photo camera. What am I going to do with that? Mm. And then I... You know, I sold the camera. I I owe my mom money already, so I paid her what I owe her. Mm. Um, which I used to always borrow money from her to do the studio stuff and all this mm. new mic, new stuff, and you know, I always paid her back. But I paid her back, and then I I was like, okay, I got nine hundred dollars. Mm. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna spend it. Fuck it, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna get the the the. I think it was a Canon T2i. Okay. And when I got it, woo, I was like, oh, this is what I've been looking for. Yeah, yeah. 24p, mm. 24 frames per second, latitude. I mean, and I, I, basically, like latitude is like how much detail you can get in it without mm. being overexposed, underexposed. Okay. So, it, I mean, at the time, it was revolutionary mm. for filmmakers. So I, t I took that and then I continued to apply what I knew in business. Mm. I shook the attitude and stopped focusing on the negative stuff and then like legal, illegal, whatever. And I was just like living day by day, work, you know, new clients, new inquiries, mm. and just worked until at the point where a year went by and I made the same thing I made at Dunkin' Donuts in a year. Mm. And then I was like, I got to I got to establish myself. I got to get an accountant. Yeah. Especially my situation. I got to pay taxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, day yeah. ever comes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that was the beginning of this, this business that I have now. Okay, now... At this time, does your mother know that you lost your job or that you quit your job? She knows that. She knows that. Uh, she knew. I mean, I communicated with her, so she knew exactly mm. what was going on. So I was like, they, they don't want they want me to drive there in the snow. I'm not going. Okay. Now, when most immigrant parents come over here, they want their, you know, they, they want the better life for them and their child, right? So they want their child to be this, you know, have this extravagant, extravagant job like a doctor, lawyer, or some shit like that. So she hears that you're a director. What's her response to it? Like, at the moment or right now? Or at the moment? Oh, uh, I mean, before I even figured out I was going to be a quote-unquote director or anything, it was more like, how are we going to pay bills? I was the, before any of that. Mm. And I was always there for that. So there was never a, why are you not, you know, like I wasn't just living off her. Yeah. At least from, I mean, the only, I, th I had an off year between quitting my aunt's job, my aunt, the, the, the business that I was working with, mm. and getting a factory job. I think I had a year and a half that I hadn't worked in my life since I was 14. Okay, damn. So I was never, I always brought money home. Right. I didn't have vices. I didn't, I wasn't drinking yet. <laughs> I, I yeah. Didn't, I wasn't dating with, like I didn't, mm. I wasn't spending money. Yeah, so, bitches fuck you up, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they do. So bringing money home was a big like, not that it's not a good thing, but it was a it, you can't argue with me if I'm bringing home the same money you're bringing home as an adult, yeah, and paying for half of the bills and half of the rent and making sure that we left those buildings in the beginning and moved up to a, a, a first floor and then at some point move on to a better side, you mm -hmm. know, went from you know, Fairfield Gardens, which is not the worst place in the world either, right? But it wasn't a, it, just for them, think about it. I, and I always have my grandmother and my mother, they lived in Colombia. Where if you're poor, you just live in a farm. Right. It's not a, it's still like you, we wish, we, I wish I lived in a farm. So mm. being in this little building and stuff, getting them, helping them get out of that in the, in the first three years here. um, Not the first three years here, but the first three years that I got a job. Mm. And then being able to move up further and further north and a little more out of like where they felt out of place because it was too messy mm. or too much garbage on the floor. It, like the, you they could never argue with me about mm. what are you doing with school because I was just bringing money. She was making home. money. Yeah. Now, how does she feel now about it? She's okay. She's fine with it. She's yeah, like, oh, she's. Just, I mean, the main. She worries about regular stuff that moms worry about, like don't, mm. don't drink and drive. Don't, you know, don't get nobody else pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like regular stuff. Don't don't mess up your life. Yeah. Don't mess up. Yeah. The you opportunity know, you don't got. Don't do drugs. Don't get into drugs that you never did before. Like. As much as, as old as I'm going to get, she's always going to talk to me like that. Mm. But just, you know, but which you got to appreciate that because people do mess up. It just takes one bad thing, one bad decision, and then you could lose a lot. Mm, right. And the more you make and the more you get involved into a lifestyle, the more uh, obligations you gain too. Mm. You just end up, you know, you can't pull back because then everybody's expecting you to do or be something. Mm. 
So it's a lot. It's a lot of pressure of to be there. Right, right. So, but yeah. So she's she's happy. She's happy that she's happy that you're happy. Basically. Yeah, she's you're, happy, and she's happy yeah. that I didn't. There's no, um, you know, she's never had to like bail me out of jail mm. or have you know the she helped me with my legal thing, but that wasn't like a thing I put myself into. Mm. We did that right. <laughs> together. <laughs> so all that stuff it worked out. So she's happy. She just like mainly worries about regular. This is my son, my only son. Mm. Don't mess up your life because she also knows. She's lived a life too before this. Mm. Like she wasn't always seventy something. She had a life, you know, with mm. Colombia. So she was exposed to a lot of also like what money could do, mm. uh, bad company and stuff. So that's her biggest thing. Mm. Yeah. So what's up with your pops? What's, what's his... He's in Colombia. He's back in Colombia. Yeah, spreading like fire. <laughs> so you got a lot of brothers and sisters. Yeah, over there, I yeah. got a half sister yeah. uh, in Spain. I gotta have no. She's in the UK. I gotta have brother in Spain. Mm. Uh, I was with him and doing a commercial in Stanford High, and this little kid runs up to me like, "You're my brother." And I'm Wait, like, what? I don't have him, and he ended up being my brother. Wait, hold the fuck up. Yeah. So, so how did he know that he was your brother? He like he knows who I was. I just at my father's side, I just don't really communicate with them like that. So he has some family here. Well, he in, lives in, here. He lives in Stanford. His like my my father keeps getting people pregnant, and everybody he get pregnant <laughs> leaves the country. Okay, so that's what ended up happening. Wow, that's crazy. So I have a half brother that lives in Stanford, but he's a pilot now. Yeah, right. it's cool. We do still. Mm. We still don't have a relationship. It's just too, mm. too. It's just not a real relationship there. Like, you, I know we're blood, but that doesn't really mean a lot to me. Yeah, but do you care to have one with your father though? Do I care what? Do Do you care to have a relationship with your father at all? Um, I think I have to like. I'm gonna make it my goal to go back and meet with him and shake his hand and like mm. just let. I always. I never really had a real feeling, mm. but. You know, if he passes and stuff, I don't want to regret. You don't you know? regret not talking to him. And I'm, a, I'm like, a man, so I understand also that no, some people just don't belong together either. You're like, shit happens, yeah. Yeah. But obviously, I'm, I'm on my mom's side. She had, mm. After him, there was no new person. I never had to do with stepfather. Stepfather's and boyfriends and shit so like that. she took a lot of sacrifice just to dedicate, to make sure that I didn't become him. Right. Which is still a fight. <laughs> we yeah, have yeah. all those traits. <laughs> yeah. Um, don't do this. Don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's why she's like, don't get nobody else don't pregnant. Don't get nobody else pregnant. <laughs> and I didn't even get no one pregnant yet anyway. Yeah, so see, what you talking good. about? Yeah, see? Staying on so, the straight and fucking air. <laughs> and somewhat. Some, somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> to, my, to that extent. But yeah, now I, I want to meet him. You know, he's like, I remember him my age, but he's seven. He's 80, so it was like. 80. It's a different yeah. person that I would have remembered. So he's mm. just older and he might die. And I don't want to regret not saying. Mm. It's okay, you know. I think he's waiting for me to forgive him because everybody else loves him. Mm. My half sister does, which was one of my biggest things. I was like, Dad, I just need to know who my sister is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna yeah, travel. Cause, yeah, because you know, you don't. Wanna, I want to travel. You don't want to look at it like, oh, that's kill, your sister. Like, I don't want to ever kill myself after exactly, that. Exactly. Like, I don't. Wanna, it's like I don't want to find out after the fact. Just exactly. Let me know. So that, um, but yeah, but everybody loves him. They're they're his hero. Mm. But to me, it's just like it's like a distant cousin. There's no hate. I yeah. mean, it's just like there's like I don't really know him, and I don't care to build a fake relationship based on he being a sperm donor. Like, yeah, you that's can't not really have a relationship with somebody you don't really know. And like that. honestly, I'm gonna be honest. Like, if you're not gonna start sending my mom money, I'm not interested. Yeah, you, and that kind of pissed him off the last time we had a so so yeah, under the surface conversation. So yeah, I have communicated. It just hasn't. Yeah, been Yeah, like it's the always best been very like everything's okay. Yeah, I'm good. But then I'm when, alive. When, yeah, when he was bold enough to ask me why I don't why I I don't initiate conversations mm. it was more like my mom's alone and mm. i gotta play two roles i gotta be companion friend mm. son like that's exhausting mm. so that was my little like ah this is this is the anger that i have it's not you it's just that i gotta play all these roles too right yeah now how often do you go back home i don't i haven't i got yeah i got my green card in 2008 and mm. i became a citizen two years ago became a citizen two years ago yeah shit so do you have plans on going back i do okay yeah as soon as it was a possibility then i yeah. started entertaining i mean i've gone since i got my green card um if you remember damon day who's a chef now yeah 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 he uh was one of my big clients too back then mm. as soon as i got my green card we went to trinidad because mm. he knew my story too mm. uh so i've been traveling and i don't yeah, i know go, you've been traveling and nigga, i don't want to go without my mom mm. and Colombia is not a person. It's a political. If you look at it from the big, mm. it doesn't owe me anything. But I did have to leave. Mm. It wasn't a. Um, it didn't out offer what I needed to want to stay. But then again, I didn't make that decision. My mom made the decision for me too. Mm. So I just have this thing like I don't fly my flag. I'm Colombian culture, food, 
and who I am, I do all that to the culture. Mm. But like the the political line, country, nation thing, that's all man made. So I don't really hang on that. Mm. So I'm proud of my culture, culture yeah. who I am, the food, what my mom came to be, who she is, mm -hmm. and the people before us. And and if you look at the indigenous people and like it's all part of who we are. Mm. But just like the whole thing of like I'm not crazy to be like, oh, visit your home country. It's like I'm here. I'm from Bridgeport. <laughs> mm, you're right. Yeah, yeah, because you've been here more than yeah. longer than you've been in yeah. Columbia. Yeah. So now, how many videos do you shoot a month? I want to say. Um, I, I do an average of three a week. Three a week. Yeah. So like this so, past two months because of the snow, so which I'm always going to hate. Kinda. This is, I've been doing like four a week. I try not to because you gotta. I want to pay attention to each project mm. without feeling like I got to rush. Mm. But because of all these snow days and backups, I had a bad start of the year. So mm. the last month and a half, I've been doing for a week. Now, Just what's the reschedule and stuff yeah. like that? So what's the average turnaround time when you shoot something from beginning? Um, three to five days, but if I'm traveling, it might be like a week, a week and a half. Week, week and yeah. a half. If if you're traveling, yeah. Because if I'm traveling, I don't edit. I re I edit at home, so mm. I got to be home to edit in my edit station so now how long does it take you to edit uh once i get to a project it could be a a good eight hour ten hour session mm. it might be a you know four hours today four hours tomorrow or if if i have no meetings or anything i gotta put my mind to mm. it might just be that day you know eat edit eat eat edit yeah <laughs> so so what do you do for like leisure what do you do for fun um, when you're not shooting and traveling and I play Working. my drums sometimes. <laughs> yes. So how the fuck do you learn how to play drums? Um, I always was a fan of bands and stuff like that, mm. music-wise. I grew up listening to a lot of Spanish bands, a lot of Spanish from Spain. Like I, I wouldn't call it soul because soul is predominantly American-born. Mm. But um, rock is a, I don't know, it's a, it's a broad term, but a lot of Spanish music, not like salsa or, you know, like super uh, typical but there's a lot of Spanish rock mm. and Spanish contemporary classic, you could call it, that I grew up listening to. Mm. Like a lot of Mexican bands, a lot of bands from Spain, Guatemala, Argentina. Um, and drums always had, like drums are the, the heartbeat mm. of any music. Right. Yeah. So I always liked it. You know, My coordination is crap, but <laughs> that keeps me tender. <laughs> now, is there anything that you won't shoot? Um. As far as like the content music wise or like idea like, wise. Like do you feel like you're above like the weddings and the birthday parts? Well, I mean, I mean not, like it's I'm prom above, season. I just don't have any passion for that. Mm. So it would be strictly to make a, a buck or two. Mm. So when I have to put a price to something like that, it's mm. not affordable. What about porn? Porn, I mean, porn is like, what's the plan? Because you have to mm. be able to distribute it. I don't know how porn really works. Is it like streaming now? I mean, everything's digital. Yeah. So. I mean, shit. I don't know. Porn is like... Do shit on your phone. There, there are certain things that was like... I spent uh, a lot of time learning digital cinema. Mm. And I spent money on a digital cinema camera. Mm. And some stuff is regressive. Like, for example, we had a conversation about podcasts. And, you know, we, we talked about it. Right. But, like, you, it, we don't need to make a movie. Like, the whole point is content. Mm. So, like, what I invested in my business, I have to charge a certain amount. That is not even cost effective. I don't feel great about even charge for me to do a podcast and charge you fifteen hundred. Yeah, kind of. It's like counterproductive. I, yeah, like if kinda, you want to, if yeah. you insist, I'm not gonna say no. Yeah, right. But I'm only gonna be, be transparent with you and tell you, man. I'd rather you pay me that one time and set you up like a consultant. Right. <laughs> That's yeah. what consultant means, yeah. right? Because I got corrected earlier about what consultant <laughs> is. Something like that. <laughs> but I would come in and I'd rather you internally learn because at the end of the day, even if you do it with a phone, it's about the content. Mm. Um, but yeah, just so it's not I'm not above it, it's just I I invested in trying to do high end stuff, mm. uh short films and stuff. So for me to charge you a certain amount is not fair. I'd rather help you set up. So I, I would I like podcast, anything that has to do with entertainment. Um and and content and culture yeah. of we weddings it's just no love for that just, I don't want to be there <laughs> so so you got to actually like feel it it has to be something that you want to I, do yeah like, I want to be able to be part of it even yeah. if like if like even if it's the worst song ever sometimes the artist is like yeah I just seen you so direct dedicated some bad fucking songs yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 and it's, I'm not a judge but you could be a judge but you gotta you still you internally know, eat. in my head I yeah am. you still gotta eat at the end of the day though I think I have a bigger opinion on character and how people communicate compared to where they come from and how the 
how they come across. Like if I meet some, if I'm if you meet someone that's young and has no idea how the business works, I'm not gonna judge him and treat him like, uh, yeah, look yeah. at this guy. He doesn't even know what B roll is. Right. Like not that kind of. But if someone's 42 and it's been up and down and they just come across as they're just trying to get over you and act like they don't really know what's going on yeah. or they never wanted to learn. Mm. And when you offer any anything to the table, they're mm. like, nah, I'm, I'm, nah, I'm straight. That, I judge that. The music, I don't know. You, I'm pretty sure like at this point, it's been like at least eight years that we've been listening to music. Like, how the hell did this make it to the radio? I've been saying that for like at least 14 years. <laughs> like, <laughs> so like, I don't judge bass because I guess, I mean, yeah, it's, it's there must be an audience out there watching or waiting for something like it for it to create a space for advertisement or ratings that creates a space for radio to play. Right. So I, I try to justify it like, okay, it's not for me. Mm. But if it's not if a million me. people like it, mm -hmm. is the business is not gonna change its formula because of music. I mean, we've I, I'm I'm actually surprised that so much dope music has been mainstream due to the fact that the business has been set up like this for eighty years. Mm. It's always been about creating revenue right. at the end of the day. But we've gotten you know Tupac all the way down to your know, Ray Charles like. Mm. You know what I'm saying? There was probably people that were super dope, way more doper. There's probably people in his time that were like, he's raspy. Yeah. He's not, he's not right. Like, you know, I don't know. Like, it's hard for mm. me to, so the older I get, I just get, I, like the music I listen to, like there's always a connection to either my past or something new that's really dope mm. or a young kid that's really like stepping out of the 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 mold. Mm. But it's hard to judge, man. It's It's difficult. It's Nick. blue face, baby. <laughs> yeah, that nigga. Yeah, I, I, I think that nigga's a fucking like a like he's a a litmus test of how dumb like America is or like well, that, look, the average like music listener is because it's, it's no way in hell that niggas is listening to this shit and think like yo this yeah. is music this is how it was like the Bush administration like how dumb can we like get? Yeah, like like how much of this bullshit can we put in these people's face before it's like all right we were just playing with y'all yeah we we just want to see something real quick. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's what you um what you're selling people too. You're selling people. You always been selling people culture. I think that's why hip hop is so such a, a gold mine mm. because as you you are selling culture. I mean, the only thing I can compare it to as far as like how you how it was packaged was glam metal, mm. hair metal. That's why I compare like the 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 little Uzis mm -hmm. to like the Motley Crue's, you know, makeup. Yeah, I see it. Yeah. Tight jeans mm -hmm. and you know groupy, oh, yeah, the whole rock, rock star look, yeah. scandal, yeah, drugs that you like. When I when I was in Central, mm. pills, I wouldn't even. I'm Colombian, but like coke and all that. Like I like that. That was like that's why people drugs. Mm. We drink forties and we smoke. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's what we do out here. You be, you be fucking surprised yeah. who I found out do like coke and all that other wild I shit. Mean, but, and no, but it's, yeah. I think I don't know if it's a big resurgence or we're just getting older. But like it's, I mean, people at the end of the day, people just filling voids and. You know, putting them self medicating. Mm -hmm. That's why a lot of people, like most people, are not doing it just to be cool. I think whether you hide through that or not, people self medicate. I mean, it's know? the it's the mask some shit. It's, it's like, either that, yeah, it's either mm -hmm. that or prescription, which is even worse because they're supposed to be under government watch and they're supposed to be more responsible. Mm -hmm. And as we see, the opioid crisis was that's the biggest drug dealer is. The op that they the why they, they, how many they companies? start calling that shit an opioid crisis until white people start falling off. Right. I don't want to hear that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true though. But now you've been directing music videos this whole time, but you recently in like the past two or three years you started getting into movies. Yeah, short films and one full film. Now was the transition easy or was it the transition was I mean the first I've always wanted to do it and I always had this like we can't do it until it's right. I've had ideas forever. Mm -hmm. Um, the first one I got thrown into it uh, by uh, Jimmy O, one of my uh, good friends and partners who's in Texas. Mm. Uh, he he runs my executive room right now. Yeah, and he was like, "Let's do a movie." Um, I didn't really know how to budget yet, but he put a number to it. At the time, it seemed like a good budget. It was a full feature film, mm. and it failed terribly. We we watch it, it would be like that movie, um, The Room. The Room, what's The Room? Which uh, they made a movie about the making of the movie. Oh. <laughs> recently, mm. which was a terrible, he, the guy had money and he shot a video, but it was terrible. Mm. It, but it was so bad that it became a cult because it was, it was like a car crash. Yeah. 
So it was, it was so bad. Yeah, just so bad. So you gotta watch I it. Did like, my I job can't believe somebody shot this shit. Yeah, and I did it. I didn't. I didn't. When I was shooting, I didn't feel like it was doing a bad job. But when it was put together, the biggest thing was a scheduling politics and paying everybody. Mm. It's one thing to get people to show love for one day, two days, come to the set, be an extra. Mm. But when you got a twenty day shoot, you have to pay people. Because if, if you have a job, you got to make up for that job. Right. If you don't have a job, that means you probably don't care about anything anyway. Mm. Not everybody, but like you have to. You have to like compensate people. Right. And people's time is worth money. And the, and it takes little and little things you never learn. So I got thrown into this movie. I learned so much about scheduling to the point when people came to me with movie ideas. I'm like, unless you got a hundred grand. And if you do go buy a house, don't spend mm, it on a movie. Don't, don't spend it on this yeah, shit. Yeah, go get real estate. Get, yeah, you know, buy, just be do something commu- smart. Community first. Yeah, and then, but if you do want to do something dope, we gotta create that budget. And like the way you do a pilot, you do a short film mm. based from that, and you spend a day rate with me or two days, mm. which is way way less than a hundred grand, mm. a lot less. Right. Um, and now you have a product and you have a pilot. Mm. And like the last one that, that I did, which was with Shazo, mm. that was that that itself proved to be it made a profit. Right. So the what they spent on, on my services, mm. on the scoring, what they spent on renting the Bijou Theater, mm. what they spent on food, on the bar, at the end of that night, there was a profit beyond that. Mm. So there's a business model now. Right. And it's an Amazon Prime, which Amazon Prime is taking anything that's made with any kind of Coherence <laughs> mm. that's not like made with an iPhone yeah. or or done like they like even like I don't know they probably would take like money and violence because it's popular enough. It's popular, yeah. And they just want to build a catalog because they're gonna compete with Netflix. Mm. So you can put it on there. It might make ten dollars a month. Mm. It might pop off next year and make a hundred thousand a month mm. on streaming. But it's gonna you're gonna get paid from your streaming, right? So it's over. It's, it's a business model behind it. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Now, where's your favorite place to shoot? I know. I know you've been out the country. You've been all over the U.S. What's your where, where's your favorite place to? I mean, in the states, uh, the West Coast, you know, between the Bay Area, Los Angeles, and Las Vegas, I love. Just it's like a picture. It's like a perfect background. Mm. It's like the, the weather's always nice. The weather's always nice. The food, the women, the women, the, air. Oh, the women, mm. nigga. <laughs> <laughs> but just everywhere you point the camera. It, I mean, it might maybe it's to us because we're not from there, mm. but not that because it's just a, a whole different feel, and you know the whole just the influence of like the Mexican American culture, mm. the way that you know the African American cultures are a lot different over there mm-hmm. too, and then you got Armenians. It's a whole different mix yeah. of thought and just the the, inf- the structure, the the architecture. Mm. It's just like I don't know. Everything feels like a set, like it was made to be filmed, mm. drawn, or it's just different. Mm. Or maybe I just, I grew up here and I'm tired of the same five type I of mean, trees. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, Pines. That, that too. Now, when you're traveling all the way to the West Coast or out the country, are you lugging all your equipment with you? Like, what are you bringing on these trips and how the fuck do you pack that shit and Most get that shit on the it. plane? Most of it. I mean, the camera for sure. Yeah, so, so how uh, much does all that shit weigh though? Uh, it's not that much. I mean, the camera itself I carry on, on a carry-on. Mm. Cause I'm not putting that into the plane. Yeah, hell no. And then uh, stabilizer and you know extra stuff. The clothes they can get lost. I don't care. <laughs> yes. Um, but what we usually I bring everything except for lighting because I can't. The bulbs I use on my light are under pressure, mm. so you, you can't put them on the plane. Mm. So that's the only thing you have to do. Lighting you have to rent out lighting. Okay. But I bring everything. But it's not that bad. I mean, uh, if I bring everything except for lighting, it would be uh, a book bag. Carry on, and then maybe a big like you know under the plane mm. with stuff that can insure it and yeah, it's no big deal. Mixed with clothing, right? Yeah. Now you do all this by yourself, right? For the most part, yeah. Okay. Now, why doesn't Esco have a team at all times? Um, I I can't afford to pay what people to be able for me to be able to delegate how I want to delegate. Mm. I, I there's the market for me here at least, or maybe the way I'm set up, it just doesn't. Help because I can't halfway. I can't pay somebody mediocre amounts of money and get what I want out of them. Mm-hmm. And then there's also like I have my formula. How like I'm, I'm maybe I'm not good at delegating either because mm. I'm the guy. I'm the boss. I used to hate. 
mm. like you know do that and then you do it and then I go behind you and do it for you again like it devalues you even if I'm paying you you're like what am I here for so there are things or you're like, just showing them how to do it right or like how I want it right to my specifications right. and because I didn't go to school I don't mm. there's no like I can't if I get an intern from film school he's gonna have to completely forget about everything he learned in school mm. and learn my crazy formula which is all in my head right and articulating it sometimes is difficult mm. so like I don't know and I don't have the time to stop and rebuild like I got clients mm. if you're my client I'm not gonna experiment with your project yeah, with you, some intern. yeah 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 now I do let people come once in a while I used to be very like against that yeah I was gonna ask that now yeah. some people show up and mm. but there's like the, the business I'm in or at least the way I'm set up for business I'm not looking for quantity I'm looking for quality mm. So I don't want to create more jobs a week. Mm. I have enough jobs a week. I want to create just more. I'd rather have a dope project per week, but that takes budget right. and dedication, and it just takes a a little more cash flow in our market too. Because you you want you want accounts. Mm. You don't want people to be like, "Well, I got five hundred this month. What can I do with this?" Right. We want people to. I, I got twenty thousand for this quarter. What can we do visually? Mm. That's the goal. You know, and then we can focus on okay, we got three clients at twenty grand. Mm. We closed out, and then that opens the room for okay, I need a, I need somebody that can shoot videos because I'm busy working with this client and his uh, campaign, right? Mm. So that will create that. But I mean, I don't, it, I've never really. I mean, I've had a few clients like that, but they don't. It, it didn't create a lot because I, I wasn't able to bring a marketing side to it either, mm. which is a big part of it which I'm trying to find different ways not to combine those. Mm. So it's a one-stop shop. Okay. Yeah. Now, what's the biggest Domino client or the biggest client that you've had so far? As far as like financing-wise? Well, notoriety, I want to say. I don't know. Uh, the last very noticeable or like the one with the most, um, I guess, Exposure, yeah, would like, be like I did a I did a joint with Mano and Davies, mm. and you know, and at a time that Davies was like hot, yeah, like super hot. Now, now, how'd that come about though? Um, I think I was in Texas shooting, and uh, I don't know how they saw my work, but uh, Mano's uh, business manager or business partner—they don't like to call themselves managers anymore. Yes, <laughs> uh, he said, uh. He called, he just had a, he cold called me mm. and, you know, it started with the regular conversation like, oh, I got this client, his name is Mano. I don't know if you're familiar with him, <laughs> but yeah, we got right. another big client on the record and we like your work and we want you to do it next week and it's going to be dope. And I was like, cool, it's going to be this much mm. and I need like a month. So it was the initial like, oh, well, you know, it's big names and I was like, can't work for free. Right, right, right. So, but, you know, he was, he was, he had great communication skills. Mm. So he was like, why not? So I was like, oh, I'm glad you asked and didn't cuss me out because most people be like, you crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. But I was like, look, I got X amount of clients. I have a, this is a mom and pops, basically. You're mm. walking into a convenience store and asking me to give you free candy. Right, right, right. Not happening. <laughs> so I'm not, I, I was like, I, and they, I was like, most of my clients work nine to fives or still putting their lives at risk mm. to pay me my asking rate. I'm giving you the same rate, and I and I know how much you spend on radio promo. Did they try to hit you with the shit? Oh, this would be a good look for you. Type Always, shit? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's their job, but yeah. they were able to communicate because when they asked me why I won't work for free, I never, they, no one ever gave me that platform. Mm. And I had the answer. I've always had the answer. Right. Like, I, well, like I said, I got people that go nine to fives and they save for two months mm. to afford me. You can do the same thing. <laughs> you you and like I said, I know what they spend on radio alone. I'm yeah. asking you for ten percent of what you spend a month on radio. Right. And you, if you came to me, it's either you like my work, you like my turnaround time, you like what you see. Mm. So like, just pay me my asking rate. And then it became a oh, we won the next week though. I'm like, again, if I take your money and then call you and tell you somebody else got more money than you, mm. screw you. Here's your money back. Like just so they appreciated my like equilibrium, I guess if you can call it that. Like, do most niggas think that you just a nigga with a camera and don't know what you're talking about? Like, because you don't have the formal schooling no, and a degree or something like that? I don't know. I don't know. Usually, I get that from corporate, but I don't work with corporate anyway. Okay. I don't like the corporate culture. I can't do it. Mm. I just can't deal with the bureaucracy or the. But that's where the big bucks is at. You don't think you want to like harness that skill of trying to talk to them or trying to? It's not worth the headache because at the end of the day, there's still this this. 
bureaucracy that I'm just not good with. Mm. And I, it, it's counterproductive at the end of the day, for my opinion. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. I, so that's the thing. There's a lot of big money in like corporate video and stuff. But And I've done just camera work for people and mm. they get abused. And I'm like, oh, I can't. T- no. And I'm not one of those people. Like, you can talk to me like that. Yeah. Like it takes a lot of like condescendence mm. for me to be upset about like I know people talk to you a different way yeah. wherever you go and some people don't even mean it mm. but like the like the corporate culture could be very toxic and very condescending mm. and then it takes it chips away from my creative I don't want to be there right. so it was like it's weddings mm. like this woman's crazy she's crying yeah. I asked you to have your light on <laughs> yeah. and then you turn it off <laughs> right, right. and now the video's crap mm-hmm. I don't want to deal with the you know it's just a lot of like you got to develop thick skin, mm. but then there's also just unnecessary stuff that I just not, I don't have to. I don't feel like I need to deal with that. Mm. Especially if at the end, like, like this, at the end of the day, like when the when it's finished, they won't even give the project the attention mm. or put it in a platform that it benefits or is worth. Like it's one thing for us to do a project and get into this big argument and after this done, we get that love back because the project's so dope. Yeah. Or the song is so dope. You yell at the engineer mm-hmm. and, and and when it's done, the mix is perfect. The mix it's is like, perfect. It completely takes back the argument. But it like, is like, all right, my in bad. corporate culture, it's like, we're going to get over you as much as we can. Mm-hmm. And when you're done with the headache, it's like, oh, we didn't put it on the main page. It's going to go on the back page. Yeah. That's the fucked yeah. up part. Yeah. Now, have you ever lost like a client's work or like? something like what's what's the weirdest thing that's happened with like a video the weirdest thing that happened is the last short film I shot what happened with uh, Shamika Wright shout out to Shamika Wright mm. uh, Positive I, the hard drive we shot a whole short film came home hard drive wouldn't read File I, corrupted. I sent it everywhere and I had to the thing I never had to do ever ever mm. ever ever I've done a thousand projects mm. a, a little more than that yeah yeah I went over I called her. I was like, I, "Look, I'm gonna forget about the balance. Mm. I don't don't even pay me my balance. We have to reshoot. We have to reshoot we all know. this shit." But it came. It worked out mm-hmm. because uh, I gave her back the thing because she wanted to get the money back at least for the hard drive. Mm. And the people send it back with the footage. Mm. Mind you, I sent this thing to. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Bridget from Just Right. Just Right. Yeah, Studios. yeah, yeah, yeah. She works for, yeah, she uh, worked uh, WWE. for WWE and Stanford. She yeah. brought it in. Yeah. Put it in one of those, you know, data recovery, mm-hmm. no results. I'm, I gave up. Mm. And they gave it back. And mm. it's done. It's, it's done. done now. <laughs> they actually have Vizzy Beats, who's uh, familiar with G, yeah, G yeah, yeah. do the scoring for it. Mm. So it was a, it was good. But that was the worst thing that ever happened because I was like, I've never lost footage You're Freaking out, like, what the fuck I'm going to do? Like, yeah, I, you got to tell yeah. her, like. I've never had to call without leverage. I always I had leverage because I always did my job 100%. Mm-hmm. So this was out of my hands, but then I had to call her, like, look. Keep the keep my balance. Yeah, I don't even want the balance. We have mm, to reshoot. You have to reshoot all Use the shit the, again. whatever you're gonna give me for balance, because she paid actors from mm. New York and she had real good actors. Mm. Um, so but that's the weirdest thing that ever happened to me. Okay, now are you willing to do like the documentary style thing where like you follow someone and document their whole life? Is that is that your type of? I could do. It. I've done yeah. that. I did that with with uh, Jimmy O from my executive room for mm. South by Southwest. Okay, not for him specifically, but the experience of it. That was about an hour uh, documentary, which surprisingly was enough footage for an hour. Right. I've done mini docs. A lot of the commercials and um, advertisement pieces that, I, that I'm trying to do are based on documentary, trying to um, relate to people a little more. Because mm-hmm. you can do a very expensive commercial like a Geico you know, boom, all the big, like, all the big, what do you call it, the big whistles or whatever. Yeah, the bells and whistles. My terminology. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, I do have a lot of conversations with Sholi, Show Love Experience slash mm. Shameless Plug. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we, we're trying to crack the code outside of music and that, and how do we advertise businesses differently? Mm. And documentary work has been one of those. How do we show this business so that people can relate to it. Trying to bring something new. Yeah, how can yeah. we make it relatable and, and the narrative be authentic? Mm. So instead of showing just pictures of food, let's have the owner come out and, and let's follow him for the day. Yeah. And and see what his day is about. Day in the life. Yeah. See what he go through. Yeah. Type of thing. All right. But yeah, that's completely <laughs> there. How long you want it to be, it's the question. Mm. And then what are you going to do with it? Mm. And then what? How how much you want to do with it dictates how much we need to do 
which keeps it's just this big um, snowball effect of, and then it becomes expensive. Like I mm. want to do a documentary for for Netflix. Mm. I mean, you got to put a budget together that includes the marketing, um, dine and wine, the relationships that come with it. I don't yeah. know all that stuff. So, right. but yeah, I'm I'm a hundred percent with that. Okay. All right, so we got to wrap up soon. So now the cliche question at the end of the interview. So where do you see yourself in like five years? Do you see yourself with like the feature films? Do you see yourself doing videos for more mainstream artists? Like where, where do you see Esco in like three to five years? Right. I'm, I've never really put my cards on the mainstream artist thing. That's going to either happen or not. And like mm. I said, I know my faults and I know that I'm not going to be great at dealing with some of the bureaucracy. I mm. know that. So uh, in five years, I definitely want to see myself doing at least one full feature a year. Okay. Or at least the beginning of that. At least a year, um, okay. And I want to have us another business sprout out of all the relationships I'm building and working with. Mm. Um. Uh, so, you know, because I'm not an entrepreneur. Mm. And I say that not to like downplay myself, mm. but there's a lot of people that have multiple businesses that deserve that title and it goes loosely. Mm. Like you start a business and you're an entrepreneur. No, 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 not chill. <laughs> Your business, if you self sufficient, if you do what the fuck you want to do, and and you making your money off of your actual craft, you're not punching the clock for nobody else. You entrepreneur, my nigga. You have the the potential, but entrepreneur is multiple. Mm. Whether they're failed or not, but you have to start a business, and either it flourishes and it goes on automatic, or it becomes it fails, but it's fine. You can right. fail many businesses. My studio business did fail, mm. but that's so separated. And I and I don't say that to downplay anybody. Mm. I just think that when you start giving people too many trophies too soon, uh-huh. you you you're taken away from their hunger. You gotta let like mm. no one was cheering me when I began, mm. and I mean my clients were. Yeah. So me sitting down with a client and him saying, "Oh shit, look at this shit." That's at- reward, right? But like the the social media slash, um, you know, your you, however you think people feel about you. Yeah. Like you can't just like these titles. You gotta gain them. Like the mastery of things. Like ten thousand hours to be a, to master is ten thousand hours. Ten thousand hours. You can't just be like, yo, he did a one dope painting. Mm-hmm. He's a master. Mm-hmm. Chill. Because then now he's like you. T- you even disabling him from being more hungry mm. to do more. Let him be insecure. Yeah, you gotta you for got, a minute. You gotta you gotta keep <laughs> niggas humble real quick. Yeah. And it's cool. You can get humble. Then sometimes people do come in your life and humble you in private. Oh, oh life will humble you, yeah. my nigga. Yeah. Something's gonna humble you. Not for the gram or nothing, but like in private to mm. be like, hey, you you really gotta like step back and like and then you'll get it. Like you'll be like, oh damn. I'm mean, yeah. you'll be embarrassed for two minutes. Yeah. And then, then you realize like, okay, so yeah. So I do wanna be an actual entrepreneur mm. and have like businesses and mm. things that start feeding or creating cash flow. Mm. I don't I mean, I think right like Connecticut, but specifically Bridgeport, is like everybody's really focused on on things they're good at. Mm. And there's a lot of dope businesses. I mean, you've been doing podcast. I've been doing video. Mm. And now there's a lot of people that do you know, the f- food. Yeah, food. Um, and, and, and it's matching. Bitches doing eyelashes end. and shit. And <laughs> people doing great stuff. Yeah. I know social media adds to it, but there's a lot. Like, there's a, a real potential for cash flow. Right. Because the only way we're going to be able to trade with each other and barter is if mm. there's a cash flow mm. under it you can't just barter and, like that's just like that's not gonna work mm-hmm. it, there has to be a cash flow even if people are not making crazy profits but there's cash flow and their businesses are flourishing mm. and people are there's enough room for people to collaborate and and do pieces together a good example not just because it's here but mm. like grind flu and show love like that happened there, there was you know that 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 shows that people are actually working together mm-hmm. and that the you know, we need more of and you're sharing uh uh you know it doesn't matter who's bigger than who or who's been in it longer than who right you're sharing now more people are aware and that becomes a different animal mm-hmm. and then you both eat from it right um it's it's just a lot more but right now I see a lot of potential for that right so in five years I want to be able to add even more to that even more to the Bridgeport code we yes. got we got a lot of creatives in Bridgeport we need to harness that and you know get shit rocking so where can people find you on the internet um, the easiest way would be uh, edwinescobarfilms.com mm. and that's just my website which is you know it's, it's pretty straightforward videos mm. little info um, but Instagram is like my business card. So mm. at Director Escobar. 
Mm-hmm. That's not a three. There used to be a three in it, but I was able to fix it. Finally got rid of that shit, man. Yeah, it was because I erased my first one. Oh, okay. I got rid of Instagram when I didn't care about things, mm-hmm. and then I tried to do it again, and then it wouldn't let me name it. Mm-hmm. But um, it's Director Escobar straight. No, no weird spelling. No weird spelling. That's just it. all letters and shit. Yeah, okay. that's like my business card slash forefront. All right. All right, man. So appreciate you for coming, man. Appreciate you having me and letting me talk my junk. Yeah, we're trying to do this <laughs> shit for a while. I might have to have you back in like a couple of months. I, I still got a few more questions. I got to be somewhere in a little while. But, you know. I got you. I got you. You know, we'll, I'm always happy to uh, come by, man. You know, we'll figure it out. So, um,. I guess that's it. So, uh, one thing's for certain, we too much for these niggas and three much for these hoes. <laughs> I go by the name of Domino. That's Esco. Mm-hmm. And we out of here. Out. Domino, motherfucker, what's that? <laughs>